From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, with that, welcome back, everybody. As we get going here on a Friday edition of the program, spending the next two and a half hours with you on 600 ESPN El Paso. Big show today. In fact, we've got... um, Kelly Akari and uh, Praise Amehule stopping by the studio about 5.20 today. Excited about that. We've also, uh, we'll have an opportunity to hear from Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. And the Foss, Steve Foster, is going to join us. Although, be honest, I'd almost rather talk to Foss on Monday, on game night, before the Cowboys and Chargers get ready to kick off. Wouldn't that make more sense? I mean, I know it's ah. Fridays. I know it's Fridays with Foss. And I love him on Fridays. But having him on game night almost seems like it'd be more fitting. What do you think? That's interesting. I, I think both ways would be good, Steve. He's confirmed for today, but I'm sure Foss, he's like Dak Prescott. He's okay with a couple audibles here and there. So he can he maybe will be able to shift over to Monday. Ah, we can always keep him today if he's confirmed. That's, I don't want to I don't want to make him crazy. But, um, you know, Doesn't how, matter. how packed is our show today? Uh, you tell me what's what's on the docket. I don't know. <laughs> what's, we have Jeff Erickson next. Yeah, we have. Well, we have Jeff Erickson, I believe, coming up. That's right. And uh, I'll have to confirm. I think we're, we're good with Jeff. I'll have to double check that. But I almost feel like last I checked, I confirmed Jeff on my way to Miami. Um, let me see here. Oh, yeah, we do have Jeff. All right. Beautiful. We'll do Friday. Of, oh, so it's so a 420 Jeff Erickson. That's right. We also have uh, Lee Sterling today and the uh, UTEP uh, football team. So Nice. Let me think for a second. 6.30, you're going on. We've got two guests already. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah, I think we can uh, We'll figure this out. I don't even know what we're going to do. I'll be honest with you, folks. I have no clue. I love planning the show on the fly. Sorry about that, folks. It's Friday. Weekend's right around the corner. We both went to the UTEP press conference earlier with Dana Dimmel, and I completely uh, forgot about how to schedule the show today because I thought we had it all set and ready to go, and now all of a sudden we're throwing a couple of audibles. Yeah. The UTEP football audible really threw us for a loop, didn't it? Well, I'm, I'm shocked about no Foss, but I think you're right, Steve. I think maybe doing it next week uh, would just be fine, and then we'll be good. You know, yeah. We'll be set to go. I think because if, if we have uh, you know, praise and, and uh, Kelly Akari for, from four, uh, 520. 520 to 620, that'd yeah. be perfect. We'll get ready for football Friday night right after. I feel like that's the case, too. Do me a favor. Call Foss right now. Let's put him on live and see if he's okay with us going to Monday. Let's, let's not even do this off the air. Let's just do this on the air. Let's just, let's just ask uh, Steve Foster if, we can, uh, if he'd be okay, if we can just move his segment from uh, today's show to, uh, to Monday's show. That would be good. And then, we can, and then we'll, we'll settle in nicely. We'll have a good two-hour, 30-minute broadcast today, and we'll be good to go. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you heard the news about an hour and a half ago, folks, but um, uh, Dana Dimmel did confirm what the rest of us pretty much thought, and that's Cade McConnell will be the starting quarterback for UTEP against New Mexico State uh, coming up on uh, Wednesday of next week. So, 100th battle of I-10, that's going to be big. Cade will be at quarterback, which he earned with his win over FIU. Hopefully now, 
can carry some of that momentum into the big rivalry game, and uh, UTEP will be having their uh, you know an opportunity to try to build on their success from just two nights ago. So I am excited about that as well. So yeah, we got a good uh, good show lined up for you today. It should be uh, should be a lot of fun, and um, looking forward to. Uh, getting a chance to get uh, the Foss on right now and uh, at least explain to him our, our situation. All right. Very nice. Uh, Steve Foster, who normally joins us every Friday to talk uh, with you. Um, first off, thanks for joining us. You know, as I was thinking about the Cowboys, they were so used to them playing on Sunday. I thought, you know, as great as it would be to have you on today for our regular weekly chat it would be so much more timely to have you on Monday's show hours before kickoff because then it's just a little more fresh in the NFL and really then get into the matchup that's going to happen in just a few hours uh, from, from when we chat. I agree. Uh, I just want you to know I have been beat down by San Francisco 49er fans. And, and they've done it in their own little snarky ways. But it, it was it, – it, I couldn't argue. I couldn't argue. No. And, and, th- and that, that you just really – you took the beat down. And, and that um, – you know, I, I'm not the guy that can't function for the week and all that. As a fan, I think it hurt more as a player and a coach because you did have the ability to make a difference on that field at that time. But it's disappointing. But, hey, here's the silver lining. Maybe – it reverses this year, Cappy, and the Cowboys lose to the 49ers no matter one or 101 in the regular season and win in the postseason. That, yeah. that right there would be, I mean, sunshine and roses to everybody who loves the star. Hey, did you watch the UTEP game Wednesday night? Oh, yeah, yeah, and get this. Uh, I got the notice um, from an El Paso win. And actually, want to also give a shout out to our hometown because my guy Robert Martinez, who played basketball for Cathedral, they went to the state championships in the '80s. His son Matthew is on the Bowie Bulldogs team as starting wide receiver, and they won last night, what puts them in a great position for the playoffs. And he's the one that told you at the UTEP. Another another person from El Paso actually told me that, and that being my my co-host. Uh, Chris. Oh, okay. Um, so you're just okay. So you're just giving. Um, so you're, but but yes, and I got a text. And I got a text as well. So you're just giving like group. Mike a random shout out on the air is basically what you were doing, right? Yes. All right, that's good. Yeah. Why not? Anybody else? By the way, since before I let you go, since we're going to talk to you again on Monday's show, anybody else you want to give random shout outs to uh, during the uh, during the call? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, any of your Actually, ex-girlfriends listening that might have dated you back in the 80s when you were at Eastwood that could be big fans of the show today well, that well, might be still here? Well, you know, you, you teased it, but it, it's not that. Okay. Uh, one of my uh, classmates and one of our cheerleaders, and who is my son's godmother, Vicki Deloach, her daughter is going to Seattle to work for the Kraken. That's right. Congratulations to Tyler. She has yeah. uh, she has landed yeah. a major promotion. And how about this? The Kraken found her. It wasn't yeah. like she looked to go to Seattle. They actually were aware of all the stuff she was doing in El Paso with the Rhinos. And yeah. they 
contacted Tyler to get her on board to work for the marketing team in the uh, Seattle Kraken uh, organization. Pretty cool. Yeah, and I also want to give a shout-out to my guy, Coach Lopez, and the rest of the Eastwood Troopers as they fight on uh, and the Calvary mounts up as they progress throughout their football season. All right, listen, good job. Good, uh, good little, uh, good little. Mini- well, you hit the Eastwood, and then you, yeah. you, you know, I, I had to, I had to go with that. Well, I, I went downtown. I went cathedral. I like it. You, yeah. you, you brought it. You brought it a little east, and and so very appreciative. And a shout out to Coronado and Franklin because that's Westside, and and my guy, uh, definitely Scotty Brooks. Just down the road. You've uh, you've come full circle on this call today. Good job. We will talk to you on on Monday. I promise. Oh, we'll get okay. you on. One, one, one yeah. last one. Yes. Centrally, we had uh, the great Ray Mickens on the show two weekends ago. Shout out to the Andrews Eagles. Nice. Central El Paso. Nice. How's Ray doing? He's great. He's great. Uh, doing a lot of things business wise. His son at Clemson. Yep. Playing defense in the secondary. So, uh, yeah. There we go. West Central East. All right. Well done. Well done. Talk to you uh, on Monday, my friend. Thanks again. Hey, nothing like getting a call from home. Much love. Uh, Again, congrats to the Miners. They took care of business. And uh, look forward to catching you all after the weekend. Monday Night Football, Chargers, Cowboys. Appreciate your flexibility, Foss. Say hi to Chris for us. I sure will. Thanks, brother. You got it. There he is, the Foss. He'll join us Monday on the show, 420. We'll get him on right when we kick things off. Appreciate Foss's uh, flexibility for that. So so now the show is set. Jeff Erickson coming up at 420 today. We'll have Lee Sterling at 5, and then we will go right into the remainder of the program with uh, UTEP football. So, yeah, excited about all of that happening on the show today. Also, congratulations to the Philadelphia Phillies. A lot of talk from people upset about the playoff format and the way the expanded postseason has taken its toll on the regular season champs. And it's a, it's a valid argument. I mean, think about it. The Orioles dominated the East. They were, they were uh, wiped out by the Rangers in four. The Braves uh, had a terrific season. They were wiped out in four by the Phillies. The Dodgers had one of their best seasons ever. They were swept by the Diamondbacks. And, you know, the only the only team that is used to advancing, the Houston Astros. That's it. So Dusty does. Dusty just, you know, his teams, his teams win. And the Astros, Astros Rangers is going to be fantastic. I think Phillies Diamondbacks could be fantastic. Um, I was nervous yesterday when the collision at first base in the eighth inning. I thought Bryce Harper hurt his elbow, and I'm like, oh, God, it would be awful if the Phils had to try to go to the series without Bryce after what just happened with his elbow injury. But luckily, Adrian, they were able, he was able to stay in the game. They celebrated, and uh, good for Philadelphia. Um, surprised. I thought we needed Dodgers-Braves because those were the two best teams in the postseason. I did not expect Diamondbacks-Phils. I don't think anybody did. And, you know, credit to Philadelphia. They're kind of like the Miami Heat of baseball. You know, you throw them any seed. It doesn't matter. In the postseason, that's where they shine. It's like a a team that feels like they're built for the postseason. Uh, But you tell me, Steve, I mean, we see all these different leagues right now uh, that are trying to get money left and right. And actually, they're squeezing dollars from 
from all their TV network executives. So you have NBA who has seven-game series right away. You go into this postseason, it's seven-game series aside from those uh, play-in games that are just win or go home. How would you solve uh, this, or what's the perfect scenario in baseball? Here's my scenario. It's, It's simple. I don't even think it's that difficult. I take the schedule down from 162 to 154. We'd shrink eight games right off the regular season. I'd go best of five wild card instead of best of three. And then I would go best of seven divisional series and championship series. So to me, get rid of eight games during the regular season. I know owners aren't going to be happy because they're going to each lose potentially four home games off that schedule that they would that they otherwise have right now. But then you can make it up with the best of five and best of seven. Yeah, and again, I think that these owners just really need to understand the bigger picture, especially when you expand the uh the you know the playoffs to where you have the wild card round the way it is now that there's more teams who could qualify for the playoffs you actually could have those uh you know teams actually play well into the postseason and get your worth or your money returned back uh for those home ticket sales i get why they wouldn't be for it those home ticket revenues that they'd miss out on but at the same point i think it would help the sport of baseball in a big way i with you we'll see what jeff erickson thinks i'll ask him about that when we bring him on next so now's the time to send it in to us at 600 ESPN El Paso with a Jeff Erickson uh, coming up here in five minutes. But first, let's go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. 20 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Just um, earlier this morning, 10 o'clock actually to be exact, we launched our first dining deals at 600 ESPN El Paso.com. $50 to Ruli's International Kitchen for just $25. Adrian, considering how much time we spend next door at Ruli's, this is a steal of a deal. In fact, had a Mediterranean salad and the Georgina. It was my lunch, and uh, now people could take advantage of food like this. And remember, featured on diners, dive-ins, and drives. If you've never been to Ruli's, this is the time to do it. You know, if you're a big YouTuber out there, just check out Ruli's YouTube channel. They do a great job there. They've been featured all over. You you talked about national television. I love their YouTube channel as well, and you can see some of the great cuisines that they offer out at Ruli's. It's one of my favorite places to go whenever I get a chance to have a night out, and I would say this. If you're looking for a nice uh, date night, if you're looking to take your family out, whatever it is, what a better cost-effective way like this, $25 all you're paying for a $50 gift card. Again, dining deals, folks. It's right there on the must-read bar at 600 ESPN El Paso. To send it to us and uh, just send it at 600 ESPN El Paso. We'll read it on the air as we welcome back to the show Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. The baseball championship series are set. And other than the Houston Astros, it is not what many of us think thought it would be a lot of people surprised they're upset that the best regular season teams have been wiped out as easily as they were this postseason and the last couple of years Jeff and it begs the question is the system flawed or is this just what playoff sports is all about it's what playoff sports are all about it's, it's just it's about what playoff base as we added an extra round uh you can't get around that a little bit at the same time Let's look at the Dodgers and the Braves, because this really, this is a Dodgers and Braves issue. This isn't really an Orioles issue, because everyone kind of realized that, you know, they were number one, but only by this, you know, a thin margin. But the Dodgers and the Braves 
both had major pitching issues going into the playoffs. Guess what? Major pitching issues, you know, cropped up and hurt them a lot. You know, they, you know, the Dodgers lost Julio Urias. They didn't trade for a Jorge Rodriguez deal fall through. They could have traded for Justin Verlander. They could have traded for Mac this past offseason. They kept their powder dry for the most part. And the Braves, they lost Charlie Morton. You know, Max Fried was on the IL heading into the playoffs, basically. I mean, we knew this was going to be an issue. Um, and you know what? Guess what the Dodgers and Braves lost last year, too? It happens. Um, I, you know, and it's also, it's baseball. Uh, I, I read a... You know, if you, if you wanted to have, like, the level of the elite teams advancing at the same rate as they do in the NBA, you would have to have, like, I, I think I read it was going to be, like, a best of 15 series or something of that nature to replicate the same sort of advancement ratio. That, that, that's crazy. I mean, it's just, that's, that's baseball. That's playoffs. You know, a, a team can lose two games in a row in a, in a you know, flick of a wrist. I mean, it happens. Why can't we just talk the owners into getting rid of four drinking the season from 162 back down to 154, go best of five wild card, best of seven divisional series and championship series? Um, you would also have to, like, games play. There's a lot of contract incentives, et cetera, et cetera. It's harder than it seems. That was kind of one of the issues, like, returning back to from COVID and then from the owner's lockout, too. So, I'm infinitely more profitable for the for the owners because uh, I mean the players are you know I don't think there's a problem here I think this is just variance. I mean it's funny too because it happens in hockey all the time. In fact, oh, yeah. last season we had an all-time record for Tampa Bay for most points scored ever during the regular season in a hockey season. They were wiped right out of the playoffs before it started. Yeah, that's right. Uh, with Boston, you mean, right? I'm sorry, Boston. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Boston, not Tampa. That's right. Correct. Yeah, that's Correct. right. Uh, yeah, but still, point range. Um, and we, it's not the first time. And, you know, we've seen ones lose to 16 in the college basketball tournament. It happens. Upsets happen. We root for the underdog a lot of times in life, and then we get upset when the underdog actually wins. Good point. Good point. Um, I'll say this. I mean, it's been fun. Philadelphia's going crazy. Pandemonium. Yeah. And that series uh, was, was very interesting, especially after the way Game 2 ended in that dramatic fashion by picking off Bryce Harper off the uh, great catch in the outfield by Michael Harris. And, you know, a lot of, uh, um, I want to say bad blood, but hey, it just made a little more intensity in that postseason, which was good. And the Diamondbacks came out of nowhere. That is the team that nobody expected. Of all the four, nobody would have expected the Diamondbacks to be in the championship series. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in fact, I do a little playoff draft, my buddy from Rotowire, Tim Schuler, where we just draft playoff teams for every major sport. Um, and for our, our baseball one this year, it, I had a choice between Miami and uh, Arizona. At the end, I took Miami. So I'm going to lose our draft because of that one choice. Uh, Jeff, does it matter at all, but do you think ratings are going to get affected here as we continue in the postseason for baseball? Uh, they might, but uh, I think you said it best. I don't think it matters at all. I don't care what the ratings are. Uh, I, I care more. I mean, yes, I care for the health of the sport, but you know what? They always want major media markets to win. They always want the big name. They want the Dodgers. Of course they want the Dodgers and not the Diamondbacks. Of course they do, but oh well, too bad. Um, that's baseball. That's sports. I'm fascinated with Rangers-Astros. That's the one series we've never had in the ALCS before that we finally get a chance to enjoy now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there, that's a rivalry, too. You know, there's definitely some bad blood there. 
I know. I like it. And especially if Max Scherzer can come back and pitch in this series, it makes things a little more interesting. Uh, And you're right. They both battled with Seattle down the stretch to see who was going to even get into the playoffs and win the division. And, you know, it it will make for a pretty interesting storyline along with that uh, Arizona-Philadelphia series. So, yeah, I mean, hey, just goes to show you that, and I even said when the season was ending that we got to have Dodgers-Braves because based on how good they were during the regular season, it only seems fitting that that's where the NL Championship Series ends up. And, of course, what happens? The two other teams get a chance to uh, to take off, uh, to play each other. And it's, it's, it's wild. Exactly. Life has a way of kind of grinning at us and saying, ha, 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 not so fast. Uh, True. Can you imagine, though, Scherzer facing up against Verlander? I think that would be awesome. I'd love to see that. And I think it's possible. I really do. All right, let's uh, switch it over right now to uh, to football, and we get a chance to go right into the uh, NFL Week 6. Only two teams on the bye this week, Green Bay and Pittsburgh, and it's not exactly like they're loaded with fantasy studs either on, on both of these teams. So, you know, Aaron Jones has been out the last couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. He's the most valuable fantasy player on Green Bay. Nobody's really getting it done big for Pittsburgh. So it's actually a pretty good fantasy football week when you take that into consideration. Well, thank goodness, because we're scrambling with all sorts of major injuries this week. Uh, you know, starting with our 1.1 in Justin Jefferson, but uh, we had four key players go on IR. Uh, we saw, you know, besides Jefferson, we had uh, Devon Achan. We saw Anthony Richardson go on IL, James Conner. Actually, Khalil Herbert today makes five. So think about that. Five players that we're starting pretty much on a regular basis on IR this week. Uh, that, 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 that causes us to scramble. There's a lot of other, you know, Willie or Wonies. We have two starting quarterbacks that aren't starting, and Daniel Jones and Deshaun Watson. Uh, we don't know if Barkley's going to play. Higgins probably will. Evans probably will. DK Metcalf is, is pro- you know, questionable, but had a good day today. They said he'd play. But, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the streets this week, Steve. Jeff, what have we learned from the London games from a fantasy perspective? Because last week we got a chance to see, uh, you know, Jacksonville and Buffalo, and I think some Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, guys who own uh, players on the Buffalo Bills were a little disappointed in in that output. But what have we learned from the London games so far from a fantasy point of view? Well, I mean, I think we could argue that it helps to be there longer, but I mean, I make it too compelling of an argument there, but certainly, you know. Buffalo didn't arrive until Friday, and they had a very sluggish start to the game. Jacksonville had obviously played two games in a row there, stayed there. Um, that probably didn't hurt them. You know, Baltimore made a point of going earlier this week. We'll see what sort if that helps at all. Um, but you know, you run into the possibility of fundamental attribution error, where they say, "Well, this happened, therefore this," and there could be 17 other factors there that you know contribute to a slow start, including the fact that Jacksonville might have a better defense. A few weeks ago, I liked the Toy Story broadcast for those London games. I think we should have that as a permanent alternate channel. <laughs> alternate channels are always good, um, whether it's Manning Cast or anything else. Yeah, I, I like having alternates uh, to what we have here. More options, the better. Did you watch any of that feed with your daughter during the game? Be honest. Not because we were driving back from Arizona from our volleyball tournament at the time. So uh, not only did I not watch, I didn't watch any of it there. I watched the rebroadcast in regular form later on on NFL Plus. But, um, nope. Um, and it's it just time zone frame, too, here. Yeah. I mean, 6.30 a.m. starts out here. 
it's tough. That is tough. I agree with you. Although, you know what you do? You wake up early. You, you take one of those. Um, you take one of those um, avocados that you cut down from your tree. You have a little avocado toast with some. Co- you're all set and you're ready to go. Yeah, you know, uh, I like that. I'm getting up at five fifteen though to make sure the site's updated and I'm answering user questions, stardom, sitem questions, making sure like the players in that game. There's no surprises because we've had surprises in the London game before. Let me tell you how fun that is. I believe it. Well, now that I know you get up at five fifteen in the morning, then there's absolutely no excuse for these six thirty games. All right, good stuff. Very nice. Uh, we'll come back to the early riser in a moment. If you've got questions for uh, Jeff, you could send them to us at six hundred ESPN El Paso. Let's go to Adrian and get a sports center update. I was out for next year. I mean, <laughs> guy gets no luck and unfortunately uh, Milwaukee, you know, they got they didn't get to even have him on their roster this series and then Burns gets beat. They get wiped right out of the postseason by uh, Arizona and before you know it, uh now all of a sudden they lose uh, they, they they lose Woodruff. Uh, that's 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 a bad blow. Yeah, and it might be the last time Woodruff pitches for Milwaukee too cuz this is his final arbitration year too. Last year with him. Uh, it's just bad all around. It really is. All right, uh, let's talk fantasy football. Joe Burrow played well last week. Uh, three seventeen, three touchdowns. Does jo- is Joe Burrow back after what has been for him, Jamar Chase, and that entire Cincinnati offense? Yeah, I'm certainly encouraged. Uh, hesitant to say back because it always could be a desert mirage. You never know. The Cardinals had had some contributions towards that. I'm encouraged though because he played well. He put up big numbers, but also. Like, when given the opportunity to scramble, to move around the pocket, he was able to pull that off. And I think that's something that's pretty important, uh, to be able to kind of buy time. You know, instead of having to have, get, you know, one, two, get rid of the ball, he can actually, you know, make, you know, have some time to make plays. And I think that was super important. Jeff, when it comes to running backs this week, who do you like? I know Gibbs has already ruled out for the Lions going into this week for the NFL. Who do you like as far as some of the running backs this week? Well, so, yeah, obviously uh, that, may, that bodes well for David Montgomery, uh, but he already was getting the lion's share of work e- even when Gibbs was available. Um, I would say that I like uh, I would like um, a, a couple of guys that I, I think, obviously Raheem Mostert is a guy that's going to benefit from HN being out. Um, I, a guy that I like as who the Carolina Panthers is Chuba Hubbard because Miles Sanders is out this week, so I kind of think he's a sneaky good uh, play, and he's actually available in a handful of leagues, so check on that, although later in the week it's harder to do that. Deonta Foreman is going to get the start for the Bears against the Vikings. I don't love his matchup, but at least I like his workload. I own um, in a game. Is it safe to play him this week against Jacksonville, or do you think he still needs another week or two before he gets to become usable? Uh, boy, that's a tough question. The Colts have said, Shane Steichen said that they want to play him more this week. Uh, I think they're going to say, hey, Jacksonville, he's going to get 37 carries, you know, uh, or something like that. Obviously, I'm, I'm making up a number out of thin air, but I'm just saying uh, it is – I expect I – I am using him in the two leagues where I have him. So that, that's kind of my answer is I'm going to go ahead and play him. It's not – it's by no means guaranteed, but I think he's, he's gotten paid by the Colts. He didn't get hurt in that game coming back, so I think there's reasons to be encouraged. Who benefits the most with Justin Jefferson's IR? Uh, Jordan Addison is the play if you can get, you know, and he's probably not available in leagues. If you think uh, KJ Osborne gets more targets too, 
And TJ Hawkinson, he's my number one tight end going into this week, ranking-wise. Now, partially that's because Kelsey had the ankle issue. He was worried about coming into this game on Thursday night. He put up a huge number. I don't know if Hawkinson gets to that, but I do like Hawkinson quite a bit this week. Is that uh, normally you probably would consider playing, but maybe you need to think twice because of the matchups? Uh, sure. There, there's uh, Starting off a little bit at, at quarterback, um, you know, I, you want to kind of out there. Um, I would say that I, I am not super encouraged uh, to use. Well, I, 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 I'll, I'll say this: I was going to say uh, Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson, but Watson's not going to play. But obviously, that matchup against the Niners is not great. I actually don't think it's a great match for Brock Purdy on the other side of the coin either. I think Cleveland's pass defense is actually really legit. Um, we'll see. The nine. This will be the ultimate test for them to see if that they can do against a high-functioning Niners offense right now, though. All right. Uh, again, want to bring you out to the website at rotowire.com. In fact, when you go to the football section, the first thing you see is uh, Jeff's value meter. That's uh, the, the lead. But there's also a lot of other good stories, whether it's uh, recommendations for uh, rival fantasy, DraftKings. You've got wide receiver versus cornerback matchups to keep an eye on um, and other football stories, not to mention the NHL season uh, just uh, uh, skated off this week. Tuesday was the start. So I know you've got some fantasy hockey coverage among everything else on the website. Yeah, in fact, my hockey league started last night because we're a head-to-head league that only plays when the NHL has seven or more games. So we had our first game last night. Got off to a W there, so I was pretty happy using our tools because I I don't cover hockey for us. I just consume. Um, And it's it's worked out pretty well. Already in their preseason, and they'll be right around the corner. I'm sure you're probably starting to ramp up your fantasy NBA coverage as well. Indeed, and in fact, uh, on the SiriusXM show, We'll do more. We have a. We also have a new special YouTube channel for basketball now that I, I'd like to recommend people to check out. Uh, just search RotoWire uh, under YouTube and you know hit that subscribe button, please, and you can check out all of our great NBA uh, videos that we. How'd you enjoy podcasting with uh, the Greg Wilson, uh, a comedian who makes regular tour stops to the comic strip here in El Paso over the years? Oh, Greg's fantastic. So we did. The, we have this league called the Joke Strap League. It's a RotoWire sponsored league with nine great stand-up comedians. Greg being one of them. There, we got together in Hollywood, got together for a draft, and Greg hopped on my show on SiriusXM Fantasy. Uh, we had a good time with that. Uh, Jen Serger is in the league. I'm going to have her on the show at some point soon. Uh, lots of really funny comics in the league, and uh, always happy to ha- you know have those guys on and guys and gals on um, and uh, show before too. Really funny folks, and it's just a fun concept. We're raising a lot of money for charity in the process too. Are you holding your own against the comics in that league? Oh, Steve, um, and Greg had Greg had fun poking fun of me at that one with that. I waited on quarterbacks, and then it didn't didn't really work out that well. I did the combination of Geno Smith and Daniel Jones. My running backs, Ramondre Stevenson, is just a disaster right now. Yep. Um, you know, I lost uh, J.K. Dobbins in that league. I have Garrett Wilson, so that one that stock's been diminished. It's been it's been not fun. Sorry to um, hear that. Yeah, it's okay. I'll get by. No laughing matter, that's for sure. I appreciate that. Good way for us to wrap it up. Hey, listen, good stuff as always. We'll get back with you next week, and uh, looking forward to having you on the show. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend, Jeff. Super. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Adrian. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson and understand he wakes up early in the morning to make sure the website is fully functional. We'll come back, wrap up our one in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. Lee Sterling, 20 minutes away, 600 ESPN El Paso. 
Football was exactly what we thought it was going to be, a snooze fest. Just a game that, I mean, as soon as I was watching a little bit of this, uh, of this game, I just completely went right to the Philadelphia-Atlanta uh, game, and I was much more interested in seeing how that was going to unfold. Uh, by the way, bases loaded, Ronald Acuna up. That's like the best situation Atlanta could have hoped for. Yeah, you think of how Strom closed that game out. I mean, that was really impressive. Uh, quickly going back to that Thursday night football game. Feels like the Chiefs sometimes are bored when they play football, Steve. Like, they've got to find a way to get incentivized to win. And they went up early. They just kind of eased up on the gas pedal. And they're good enough. I'm not worried about the Chiefs play teams who are uh, inferior yep. to where they are on their talent level. They just sometimes kind of look bored at times. By the way, listen to these numbers. 13 of 22... For 95 yards, one is it time for Russell Wilson to just think about just stepping away from the game of football? Like, you know, I know he's got the big contract and all that, and Denver's on the hook, but he is bad. Like, that whole team is bad. It's a terrible offense. It's just a it's just a bad football club, to be honest. There's there's I'm amazed they've won a game. And I mean they're one in five so far. Their only win came against the Bears, and they were down 28-3, and they rallied back in the second half to win 31-28. Other than that, it is been- I wanted to lose, then yeah, throw uh, Russell Wilson out there. You get Caleb Williams when it's all said and done, and just start the tankathon now. But if you want to still uh, salvage what's left of the season, you throw Jarrett Stidham in there, because Wilson right now is probably a better option at, at the quarterback position. And we've already seen a little bit of a sign of the fire sale, Steve. Frank yep. Clark uh, has been released from the team, and uh, that's somebody who made a difference on the Kansas City Chiefs a few years ago. Frank Clark now in the open market. No, you're right. Look, first two weeks of the season, they lose a tight one, 35-33. So two very close games. Then the Dolphins hang 70 on them. They come back and rally to beat the Bears, and all of a sudden you're wondering, all right, maybe they've got something left. And the Jets go in and beat them 31-21, which was really the beginning of the end, and then last night against the Chiefs uh, in KC. Now they're home for the Packers next uh, next Sunday. It's a, it's a start. And then they've got the Chiefs at home, followed by the Bills on the road. So the Packers aren't very good either. So that has a chance to actually be a pretty good football game. But then you got to play Kansas City. Miserable start for Bronco fans. Oh, my God. It also tells you how top-heavy this league is right now. We we know the cream of the crop. We know teams. But the worst teams in the league, they're almost unbearable to watch. It's them. It's the New York Giants at this point. It's the Chicago Bears. Uh, you could even, uh, if you really wanted to uh, make the case, you could throw the New England Patriots in that same conversation. You have to. You so. have to. They're awful. Yeah. They stink. They're just, yeah. They're, they're right on the same level as the Broncos. So if the Broncos-Patriots play each other, that's going to be a really bad one as well. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, no, there's some bad teams. Or the Vikings are 1-4. and four. You didn't. You didn't even mention the Panthers. They're winless. Yeah, they're they're probably the worst team. You're exactly right. I didn't mention them, but they are probably the worst team right now. I feel bad for Bryce Young. He just does. He looks tiny out yeah. there, and he just he's that offense is struggling. No uh, Sanders this weekend in the backfield. That offense is atrocious. At least the Cardinals are entertaining at one. At least have a D, an offense. They'll score some points. Yeah, but. and at least uh, Minnesota, who's one and four, scores you fantasy points week in and week out. Uh, the Denver Broncos. I feel bad for anybody. You drafted Jerry Judy, guys like Javante Williams in fantasy football. Cortland you name Sutton. it. Yeah. He had a touchdown catch yesterday. 
That's right. Positive yeah. points for Cortland Sutton. Man, and uh, Jeff mentioned it, but Ramondre Stevenson's been terrible for the Patriots. I mean, yeah, it's just those teams are really hard to watch, Steve, how bad they are right now. No, you're right. You are absolutely right. Uh, and we are running out of time here in hour number one of the program. In fact, we've got a busy 5 o'clock hour coming up, and that will include the one, the only, Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com, who I met, by the way. I saw Lee Wednesday night at the UTEP game, sat with him for a quarter. We had a blast just talking to Lee. You know, the one uh, thing that I wish you would have brought back is some of his famous would have just been sitting in the car, though, the entire game. Yeah, like you realize, in the bus. Yeah, True, it just yeah. would have been, it would have been bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I, listen, if I could have figured out a way to do it, it would have been amazing to do it. But uh, no, it just uh, wasn't Next time. Next there time. you go. That's right. He's trying to have breakfast with Lee, and then he realized our hotel was an hour from him, and he's like, I'll see you at the game. Oh, come on, Lee. <laughs> uh, wasn't, we, couldn't even meet, we couldn't even meet halfway. All right, listen, Lee Sterling next. Get ready, folks. Busy 5 o'clock hour. Members of the Utah football team. Praise Amehu. 600 ESPN El Paso. it was having the opportunity to get to meet Lee Sterling face-to-face for the first time at the UTEP FIU game was a terrific experience. And I'm telling you what, folks, the man's on fire. He is 47-21-2 so far uh, since the start of football season, 7-4-1 last week. I mean, and Lee had a chance to watch the Miners win. What more can you ask for? Uh, Lee Sterling back with us here on Sports Talk from ParamountSports.com. Great to finally meet you after all the years we've had a chance to do this together. Yeah, back at you, Steve. It was a lot of fun to meet you and your son. And uh, exciting game for the Miners and... uh... Now, all of a sudden, you know, every game is important. Next week's game, next Wednesday's crazy. They're going to play three straight Wednesdays. But uh, every game, I mean, they, they if they want to have a shot at making a bowl, got to win every single game. So uh, fun to see them get back on track. And it's always fun seeing a, a four-string quarterback who works for you get the job done. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. listen, I know there's storylines like this that happen in college football every year, but how often do we ever see a fourth stringer get a chance and make the most of it? Well, you were the fifth stringer, so it was it was, <laughs> it was now or never, right? <laughs> I love it. Well, it's true. And yeah. the fact that it also happened on Miami Vice night, which, by the way, it was a fun night uh, at, at FIU Stadium. It really was. I wish more people yeah, not would Not a real there. big crowd, but I, no. I, they do actually do a real good job there and make it entertaining uh if only the team was a little bit better yeah that's that's true um but but you know what all of america had a chance to watch cusa last night pat mcafee was able to tweet about it i mean that's mm-hmm. the beauty of of wednesday night football it's just a chance that fans uh, you know it's, it's like cusa has that night to themselves now i agree i agree that gives some of these other programs that you know kind of get hidden on a saturday uh mm-hmm. a chance to shine and i don't know if you know this uh, I'm hearing from a few people that ESPN and some of these others, they're going to try to start playing games on Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 7 in the morning your time. Holy smokes. So breakfast with college football, basically, is what it's going to turn um, into. Yeah. Breakfast or hangover with college football That's if exactly. you stay out late. That's right. That's very true. Yeah. 
Uh, let's talk about games uh, yep. beginning with uh, what should be a, a terrific football game. You, you've picked good ones. I mean, UTEP, unfortunately, will not be in our picks for the month of October because of Wednesday night football, but it still doesn't mean you can't have a chance to have some fun like what's going to go on at Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock with Texas Tech hosting Kansas State. Should be a fun one, Lee. Tech is 3-3, three and three, K-State 3-2. Three and two. Um, yep. You know, uh, K-State's 1-1 one and one in the Big 12, Texas Tech 2-1. and one. The line right now, Red Raiders minus a point and a half in Lubbock, but uh, this one has the chance to be one of the better games in college football, doesn't it? Yeah, I think Texas Tech's one of the most improved teams over the last couple weeks. They didn't just win last week. They dominated Baylor. They won by 25 despite two turnovers. Now, there are some times that where you're scratching your head. You'll see them do things like go six or seven runs in a row and gain at least eight to ten yards every single play, and then all of a sudden on an opponent's 20-yard line try a double reverse pass. I mean, when the path to getting in the end zone is clear. So sometimes they don't call uh, some of the best plays on offense, and sometimes they take chances on defense when they don't need to take these chances. So um, they, they just need to play smarter. And if they do, I think they've got the talent. They're a running team now. I mean, it's crazy to say that. They're a run uh, run first to set up some play-action pass-type team. And I don't like this Kansas State team. Kansas State, right now, Will Howard is not the same quarterback that we saw last year. Nothing close. He's trying to fit some of these passes into small windows. It's not working out. They lost Daniel Green. They're by far the best player on the team, middle linebacker. He's the heart and soul of this team. I like uh, Texas Tech. I think they win this game 31-27. Next up, ACC matchup, number 25, Miami, 4-1 and overall, 0-1 and in the ACC, visiting North Carolina. They're 12th in the nation, 5-0, and 2-0 and in the ACC. It's at Chapel Hill. Uh, the Tar Heels are uh, minus three in this one, and between uh, Drake May and company, what a start it's been for uh, the Tar Heels and Mac Brown. It has been, but let's look at who they play. They haven't played anyone. I mean, Appalachian State, who played Coastal Carolina the other night, put 34 points on them. So I know Miami's situation. Uh, if this was the last game of the year, it would hang around. You lose let's say, a conference championship, or you get knocked out of a playoff like that. I was around Miami when they lost to Ohio State, that championship game. That loss lingered for a couple years. I think these kids getting the opportunity to come back and get back on the field the next week is the biggest plus for them. They still have all their goals ahead of them. They win the next two games. They're heading to to play Florida State and Tallahassee, and – they can win the conference championship and maybe even get, believe it or not, into a semifinal game. I think people will look back and say the game was an absolute fluke. They turned the ball over five times and still should have won the game. All they need to do is take a knee. This will be the best offense that North Carolina faces all year, the best defense, the best special teams. I'll call the timeouts and I'll call the when to take a knee for, for Mario this weekend. Series host also 0-3 against the spread. The last three in this series, wrong team favored. Miami wins outright 34-30. Wow. By the way, yeah. other than A&M, who's Miami played this season? Uh, no one. But North Carolina hadn't played anyone at all. Look at, look at who A&M has played and beaten. They beat uh, Auburn, who turns out now, say they're competitive. Yeah. They also uh, 
ended up uh, beating, I think, what's what's pretty darn good team was uh, was Arkansas, and Arkansas is at least average in the SEC, and both both those games they just absolutely dominated. No one's run on them, so you know A and M should have beaten Alabama. I mean, you look at that game. If you watch that game, there's probably eight plays in that game. Any one of the eight goes Texas A and M's way, they win the game. So. I think Texas A&M, that Miami win over Texas A&M, and much more resounding than uh, Alabama, was pretty impressive. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, as we continue. All right, uh, here we go. Notre Dame and USC. Fans are waiting for this one. Uh, Both teams having uh, good years, although Notre Dame's lost twice. They're 5-2, 21st in the country. USC is undefeated, 6-0. They're 10th in the country. Uh, If Notre Dame wants a shot for uh, at least a a pretty good bowl game, they got to come up big in this one. They're hosting the Trojans. They are three-point favorites, Lee. Notre Dame with the two losses, still minus three against USC. So here's what's interesting. We all know that USC has a top-five offense. Gary Good, Caleb Williams, if not the first, will be the second quarterback in the top five in the draft, the NFL draft. But did you know this? USC ranks number eight in the country in sacks from their defense. So very surprising. Now, they give up points, but they try to make things happen with – Uh, and they try to create havoc with that defensive line, and they do blitz. Sam Hartman was sacked five times last week against Louisville. I think USC is going to get to him at least two or three times. Notre Dame offense, all of a sudden, nothing special. Last two weeks, 21 and 20 points. In fact, Sam Hartman, only three touchdown passes and three interceptions in those two games here. I think Notre Dame's played out. I think the wrong team's favorite also here, USC, 37-30. To the NFL now, Lions and Bucks from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Both teams with just one loss this season. Lions are four and one. Bucks are three and one. Detroit three-point road favorites against Baker Mayfield. Does this surprise you a little bit? Three and a half, some places. Here, here's what's crazy right now. Detroit could be without their best offensive lineman, Decker. They could be without Sam Laporta. Uh, he is mispracticed today with a calf injury. And I have a feeling it's serious. He might be out a few weeks. He's been the heart and soul of that team right now. He's probably the best player on the offense. They could be, looks like, without their change of pace running back and the best receiver. You can't just go into a really tough, stout defense and expect to just pick up where you left off. And Goff has not been the same quarterback on the road over his career as compared to his home games. And Tampa Bay, I mean, their defense, they've produced at least two takeaways in every single game this year. Baker Mayfield's not beating himself. I like Tampa Bay, low-scoring game, 17-16. Final game will be Monday Night Football, Cowboys and Chargers. They're both 3-2. and two. Dallas is 1-2 and two on the road. The Chargers are 1-1 one and one at home. And uh, these two teams are both uh, kind of mysteries uh, for a lot of reasons. Here we are at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. Dallas, two-point road favorites, coming off that bad, bad loss they had uh, to San Francisco. What we have here is Kellen Moore. You have a, an offensive coordinator moves on. Whenever that happens, I, I just know these guys. What they do is he's prepared probably a bunch in the offseason for this game. Then he gets the bye, the added bye, so he knows what his team has done best after playing five games. He sees the, the different changes that Dallas has put in, 
an extra week to prepare for this game. And some people will say, oh, well, they're better off without them. Well, they're actually, uh, they have a half yard less per snap on offense as the Dallas offense in last season. I, I think this Dallas team is a fraud. I told people just it was a fluke that they won the games the way that they did the first couple weeks. Faced poor teams here. Austin Eckler will return for the Chargers here. I like the Chargers at home. L.A. Superchargers here, 31-24 over the, the Cowboys. ParamountSports.com, folks. By the way, 28 winning seasons for Lee Sterling. 7-4-1 last week. He hit another wire-to-wire best bet 35-unit winner on Texas Tech. And now he's got an even bigger winner for you this week, folks. So this is um, what we have going on. We're 62-20 and 20 on our 40- to 50-unit releases over the last 15 years. We have our first. We already hit our biggest NFL play of the year, 45-unit release. We have our first 40- to 50-unit college release of the year. Found the right matchup, the right situation, and we're going to run with it. Most people wouldn't even look at this game or, in fact, if they saw the game, they might take the underdog. I'm going to shock everyone. It's not a big spread. It's going to be a blowout. You want to get involved and get this big 40- to 50-unit release, not October. We call it October. Three weeks of games through Halloween night, just $247. One place, ParamountSports.com. I have all new respect for Lee Sterling after the uh, football game when we were at together. I was sweating bullets. I had stuck to my slacks in a seat next to Lee, and he looked like he was having the time of his life and even said, how are you even sweating so bad? And and my son was miserable. It was so hot and sticky, and Lee looked like he was just, he I'm said, used to it. normal. I'm used to it. Oh. I mean, now, now you, put me, you put me in Vegas in dry heat uh, during the summer, and I can't breathe. So uh, what can I say? I'm used to it. I've lived here for for a long, long time, but uh, I'm glad I finally got the chance to meet you and your son and want to wish you and your son the very best, and it's it's about time we finally met. Maybe next time we meet in Vegas or something like that. Hey, we'll be there uh, this time. If you come to Vegas in February uh, for Radio Row Week, we are there. Uh, we okay. will be broadcasting live, and uh, who knows? We could even get you a day pass, Lee, and then you can hang out with us. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. Steve. Take care. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Plenty more coming up as we get you ready for football Friday night. Adrian Broadus will be hosting this week with Paul McKinnon, subbing for Bo Bagley, and they'll be live on location at the SAC. Can't wait for that as well as we continue 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back. We continue here on Sports Talk. Danny Pedroza are going to be handling things for the remainder of the show as Adrian is heading out to the SAC. We'll be hearing from Adrian at 6.30 for Football Friday Night, along with Paul McKinnon tonight. Adrian filling in for Bo Bagley with all of our reporters around town. Meanwhile, uh, we've got a couple of UTEP minors here on the program. Uh, And coming off the win uh, against FIU on Vice Night, 
for Miami Vice, happy to have uh, Kelly Akari, who had the biggest game of his life, along with Praise Amehule, who set the uh, new record for most sacks ever by a UTEP defensive player. They both uh, join us here inside our 600 ESPN El Paso uh, River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. Gentlemen, welcome aboard. Good to see you. Praise, this is not your first rodeo, although uh, it is Kelly's first time here uh, on the show. How's everything going, guys? Pretty good, pretty good, man. I hope it's good for you. You're now the um, congratulations, by the way, sack leader, uh, all time sack leader. What what does that mean to you? Thank uh, it means a lot, man. You feel me? Like just you know coming in, I never really expected you know that was gonna happen. You know, like it was nowhere near what, what I have imagined or planned. You know, like, I wasn't like okay, like, I'm gonna come in and break the school sack record. You know, as a freshman, like, I wasn't thinking that. You know, but just just you know seeing it down the line as play, I you know it's, it's it's pretty cool you know it's a pretty cool feeling to have you know well don't you also feel like this year especially has been kind of a, a, a just a big year for you i feel like you're getting a chance to get into the quarterback more you've you've registered some sacks you've had some big games and not to say last year wasn't the kind of year you wanted but you were preseason defensive player of the year last year and this year it seems like it's almost like it's all coming together for you as a senior yes sir absolutely like i said you know it's, it's my last ride so i got to make it special you know is that what it is you decided it's your last ride and it's all about just taking care of business yes sir I gotta stand on business man so you tell me what do you think the difference is so far with uh your play on the defense this year compared to last year i mean you know like just like just the coaching and just just the confidence i have in my my teammate you know and just overall and just like you know on both sides of the ball you know i, I know what kind of players we have out there you know so i'm just confident in those guys and you know, i'm just just out there trying to do my job, you know, do my one eleventh, you know, and just you know try to just beat the guy in front of me, you know, just have fun with it. Defense had, I think they 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 gave you credit for six, although we found out later it was eight sacks on the against FIU, which is by far and away the most dominant defensive performance we've seen from UTEP in a while. Yes, sir. You know, just that's just like from a hard long week of practice. You know, just you know having the chip of like chip on our uh, on our shoulders. Just going there, you know, like I said, being one on five, and that's not the way we want to be. But you know, we just gotta just, you know, in the back end half of the season, you know, we just gotta just, you know, just grind it out, you know, just. Well, now you're two and five, so that's good. You got yes, you, you have your second win of the year, your mm-hmm. first uh, first win in Florida, second ever in the Eastern Time Zone. We know all that stuff, but uh, more than anything else, uh, do you do you feel like with what's happened to this team so far, praise that? Uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you get a win, get a little confidence, start to roll, and that's really, uh, you know, how things can pick up from here. Absolutely. You know, like I said, like just the win, you know, it just, it just changes the environment. Like I said, it just brings a little confidence in there, you know. Like and like, like I said, all you just need is one, you know, to get a rolling. So we just got to just take it one week at a time. And has that really been the key for you so far, just kind of blocking out all the other stuff as the season had not started the way you want to just try to focus on uh, getting that win under your belt and go from there? Absolutely, man. You got you got to block the other stuff out, man. Like I said, it's life. You know, it's football. It's, it's a very tough game. You know, it's going to be a winner. It's going to be a loser. You know, it sucks being on the end of the spectrum, but at the end of the day, you got to just, you know, just come back to work the next day, you know, and just try to get another one, you know. 223 yards receiving for the man next to you. You tell me, how big of a game was that uh, for hey, Kelly in the minor offense? It's like, it's like I always told him, like, those are like video game numbers, man. Like, whenever you create a player on, like, Madden or something like that, and you just keep feeding him the ball and just try to get him as much yards and touchdowns as you can. 
He was in the zone. Cool. Yeah, he was in the zone, man. I know. Uh, <laughs> Ten targets, uh, eight receptions, 223 yards uh, for Kelly, who uh, joins us uh, here on Sports Talk. And uh, along with praise, he had a pair of touchdowns as well. You tell me. First off, good to see you. Thanks for being here. Um, Thanks for having me. Was it just one of those games where you just you felt locked in and you felt like anything that was thrown your way you'd be able to grab? I feel like that every game. That's yeah. good. But so, so if you feel like that every game, why was this different? It just it just mattered a, a lot. Not a lot more, but, like, we just needed that little push to, like, get that win. And I told myself whatever it takes to, like, get the ball rolling for us and, like, pushing us forward because we obviously, as praise said, we ain't start the way we wanted to. So we just needed to change, to change the narrative of how our season was going. So, yeah. Well, here's what's so interesting to me. Uh, so, Cade McConnell's under quarterback for you. He's your fourth-string QB. He's been our intern all uh, season here at UTEP uh, at Sports Talk. So, he's been coming in since the summer. We've known, we've known Cade since he first started dropping in. So, we, we're, we, we're, we're Cade fans. We like him. We're like, you know what? If he can handle himself on the football field like he handles himself here with us during the show, uh, it'll be fine. And it seems like, yeah, that's his personality. He, he likes to lead, but he's calm. He doesn't really get rattled and just seems to be the kind of guy that keeps everything together. Has that pretty much been what you've seen so far in, in the limited amount of time you've had a chance to play under center with him well yeah personally I kind of met K like I built a relationship with K when I when he first got here and he used to come out like and um outside in like the apartment area okay. and just throw me the ball and I feel like that's where it all started but yeah K is like cool calm and collected like he don't let nothing bother him he just come in there do what he got to do do his job and then go back and sit down Wait a minute. You're telling me that you guys started playing practice catching over there by your apartment complex? <laughs> yeah, that's the crazy part because I needed – so I wanted to, like, get some more catches. And, like, at the time, I couldn't get on the jugs. So I was like, I need somebody to throw me the ball. And so, he was like, I'll do it. So Kate comes out with one of your practice balls and goes out to your apartment complex. And next thing you know, you guys are just throwing it. How far are we talking about? How many yards are we talking about here? Nothing too crazy. It was just, like, different top, different angles of catches. So probably, like, maybe – the most we've ever went was when we go on the game field and then, like, through, like, maybe 50 yards. But mm-hmm. in the apartment complex, it's, like, 10, 15, maybe 20 yards. Just different angles, working on, like, different different cuts, comebacks, posts, putting in different locations and tracking it. So you're running routes in the parking lot of your apartment complex. <laughs> when you first got here is what you're basically doing, With right? Kay, yeah, when he yeah, first, when he first got here. Like, I, like I, don't know, I don't know if I got the text, but, yeah, we just pulled up to the apartment. He just got there, just, he right just on. feeding me. Just start throwing balls to you. <laughs> yeah. That's, so you. So you pretty much started getting that that rapport uh, right when you first got here. Um, the first drive against FIU was so interesting because it was a run-oriented drive with two throws. And I think there was a couple of short passes, but uh, two for two, touchdown, 7 nothing. Everything's everything's rolling. You get the ball back, and then all of a sudden, the 80-yard bomb, which, by the way, hits you in stride. As you're running down the field. I mean, you probably could not draw that play up any better than if you tried, right? Yes, sir. Like, that bomb was unexpected. Like, we, well, no, not necessarily unexpected because we worked it all, all practice. Like, that play, I'm supposed to be the top, uh, the one receiver, and JB's supposed to be the two receiver on that yeah. play. And we seen the defense, we seen what they played to that, to that uh, formation. And it was just there, so we just knew what we was going to get, and we just executed. 
Did you call that? Did, was that play called at the line of scrimmage, or was that an audible from what was originally called in? Uh, that play was called in wrong. So uh, it was called in uh, in the huddle, but the wristband number was just wrong. So that's really what it was. But K just went with it. Sometimes that you got to do. You, yeah. you have an idea if you see something, and you just go from there. So, so you knew, uh, even though the play was called in wrong, you kind of had an idea of what to take advantage of. Did you ever go to Cade in the huddle during that first series and say, "Hey, man, I've got. I, I, I mean, I'm got a chance to, to really bust one." Like, can you tell when you're running in, one, in in a series when the defense is playing you, and you get an idea that you could beat somebody deep? Yeah, uh, pers- uh, personally, yeah, because yes. I can feel, not necessarily feel, I can see what type of person's covering, like defenders covering me, and I can judge if, okay, this guy can't keep up with me or can't keep up with me. And personally, I don't need to tell Cade or Gavin that because they're going to see see the same things I see and just give me the ball, give me the play, uh, put me in the plays that I needed to play. And Cade was, in that game, he was just putting the ch- attachments and checks in there and taking it when they gave him. Yeah, it was it was a, a thing of beauty to watch. Yeah. It, it really was. And then Cade comes out for one play. Kevin Hurley comes in. He airs out a bomb to you, and then all of a sudden, it's just like man, it's just it's raining deep balls in that first quarter. And a crazy thing about that play too, that play was not supposed to be a bomb. That play was supposed to be a a comeback route. And I was a little gassed. And Kevin looks at me, and he locks the play. I'm like, no, don't lock it. Like, give me a minute. Give me a breather. He was like, no, run this fade. Like, so I'm Kevin could see it, too. He knew also <laughs> he wanted to do the same thing. Yeah, and he gets mad at me because I tripped up because the defender, like, fell, and I caught it and I tripped up. He was like, bro, I could have had it. You could have had an 80-yard, another 80-yard bomb, but you had a trip. And, uh, and we talk about that, and we just laugh now. But yeah. that's funny. So basically, Ke- uh, yeah, Kevin's upset because he cost you, you cost him another eighty-yard bomb, is what it was. <laughs> Pretty much. You could have had two in the same in the same quarter. Which, by the way, think about this too. ESPN two guys. I mean, I know it's Wednesday night, it's the middle of the week, and everything else, and you have school and all that. But you're doing it on national TV, and you're doing it during a time where pretty much everybody in the country is watching you. And how great is that? Also, knowing that you have the whole spotlight to yourself, you're on the ESPN two, and, and everybody is getting a chance to watch that game. It was a crazy feeling because right after the game, as soon as I got my phone, my phone was just going crazy from, like, family, friends, people I didn't even know. It was like, whoa, where'd that come from? Like, how'd you put up them stats? It was just, like, unbelievable because I I haven't really experienced nothing like that before, and I'm blessed to be able to, like, experience that and going forward and continue to experience that. So here's the crazy thing, all right? You did that in the first quarter, and yet, you know, the game kind of progressed, and I, I don't think you had that same type of, of deep attack the rest of the game. Once you scored the points and you built up that big lead, you kind of played more of a, a little bit more of a conservative offense, protecting that lead. But all of a sudden, minor fans are watching that, and they're looking, going, where has this been all season? And now, minor fans are probably thinking, hey, We've got to be able to bust off a couple of big ones every game because they've seen what you guys are capable of. Yeah, that's something that minor fans can't expect. And going into every game, we just trust on Coach Demo's play calling, whatever he want to call. We we got full faith in all his play callings, and I feel like he gets us in the right in the right system and the right scheme to succeed. Now, I thought your best catch of the game was in the fourth quarter. 
Because there was a play when Cade looked your way, threw the ball downfield. Uh, you and I, I think it was also Jeremiah Ballard was in some traffic, the two of you, and you had and you had two DBs or four of you all around the 25-yard line, and you were able to leap up and grab that ball on a third down to keep that drive alive. Yeah, that, that play, uh, it was actually Marcus Bellon. Marcus uh, okay. Yeah, uh, that play was a was a post route by me, and I had a couple steps on the DB. And Kate, well, after now, after talking to Kate, he was like, "Yeah, bro, I, I just threw it too late." And I was like, "Yeah, it don't matter," because when I seen the ball, I was like, "Okay, I got to step on him." And then I seen the ball, I was like, "Oh, it's coming down short, and this DB's behind me." So I just stopped my momentum and try to like go over the go over the top of the DB. I ended up like tipping it. And it tipped backwards. And I was like, this is my ball or nobody's. And that's what the mentality I was going with. And so I just took it. Well, again, it was one of those games probably where you felt like any ball throw. And you say you feel like this every game. But in this game in particular, any ball that was thrown your way, you were pretty much catching it. Yeah, it was just like I had glue in my hand despite my hands being so sweaty from the humidity. Uh, I just I just felt good and comfortable. It's like... Once you get one, you just keep on rolling with it. All right, now let me ask you this, okay? Your hands get sweaty because of the humidity. Yeah. Are you still able, because that because the gloves have so much tack on it, does the tack ever come off your gloves when you're sweating like a game on Wednesday, or are you still able to pretty much utilize the tack, even with the humidity, to, to catch footballs? Well, I kind of wipe my hands off um, as much as I can. To to make sure like the sweat and all that don't get on my gloves, but to be honest, I was always taught that you catch you caught the balls with your hot eyes. So as long as you lock the ball in with your eyes, you're gonna be straight regardless. Yeah, that's hey, listen, it, it worked for you. That's that's really what what matters the most. And I'm looking at those uh, defensive stats, by the way. Uh, Praise finished uh, with two sacks, 18 yards uh, of loss on those two sacks. Um, and he was just uh, he was a force like he always is. You tell me, what does it mean to you when you see that defense do what they were able to do and, and then praise get that sack record? Hey, that's my brother right there. And, like, people don't notice, but we, we've been close all summer. Like, we hung out all summer, talked about this opportunity and football and life. And to see him do what he do, I'm just blessed to be able to, like, watch him just, like, dominate the opponent and I can I'm confident enough to know that my defense they're gonna go out there and get a stop and I'm not worried about nothing because we're gonna get the ball back because we got one of the best defense in the nation and I trust them wholeheartedly the DBs the the corners the linebackers all them and praise he just he's just a baller he just, he just do that that's what he does right he just yeah. makes, makes plays yes sir Kelly Akari, Praise, Mehale with us here on Sports Talk as we continue Praise back to you I want to ask you this okay so as close as you guys are you watched that offense in the first quarter. You saw what they were able to do. How much does that energize the defense and that team when you see the points scored and all of a sudden you realize this is not going to have to be one of those games where the defense is either going to have to try to keep you in or win the game. Suddenly you've got a three-touchdown lead early on, and all you have to do is just go out there and play ball. Yeah, like you said, man, it's a different mentality you know, with a momentum like that. And like I said, it just makes my job easier. I just, all I can say is just like we just gotta go out there and just stop them. You know, like if they don't score, we, we win. You know, like <laughs> that's, yeah, 
that's always the mentality of a defense, you know, every game, you know. If they don't score, we win the game, you know. Well, I'm looking. Westmoreland had two, uh, two and a half sacks. Vaughn had a sack. Richardson had half a sack and a pick for Torrey. I mean, it, it, you know, you got the record. But it was uh, just uh, it was a big, big night for the defense, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. You know, like I said, we just we, like we just had like like Kelly said earlier, man. We had a little bit of like just you know like one or five, bro. Like uh, ben, like like how you how you gonna react? You know, when when your back's against the wall, you feel me? You gotta come out swinging. You know, and offense came out swinging, so sort of the defense. We you know we came out swinging. You know, on both sides of the ball. You know, shout out my dude Buzz as well, man. You know, out there he came out swinging too. You know, he did. He did. He got himself that rare unnecessary roughness penalty. Uh, which bu- came out swinging. So by the way, uh, yeah, Flaviano was able to get that. Uh, you guys saw Pat McAfee tweeting him out. Yeah, man. I seen that as soon as we got on the bus, somebody really? showed somebody showed me. He was like, they came up to him was like, Buzz got. Buzz got posted by Pat. Man, we, said, we viral, man. You oh, know, yeah. Yeah, the... the um, get on y'all, man. You, you I, said we really viral. You were. You went, you went viral on a Wednesday. In fact, you did. The exact tweet that came out was this. Flabiano is a dog. Yeah, bro. And then he goes, some refs just, just can't, can't handle that. Man. That was the uh, that was the tweet. Hey, shout out to USA refs too, man. <laughs> They're listening, man. I'm hoping, I'm, you know, and and I'll say this: uh, McAfee has uh, his, you know, his shirts say for the brand. It's like supporting kickers and punters. <laughs> so we got to get Pat to hopefully send Buzz some of those for the yeah, bland yeah, shirt yeah, for the yeah. brand shirts. He needs some merch, doesn't he? Yeah, he definitely needs some merch for sure. Oh man, I love oh, that. Man. All right, listen. Uh, by the way, before we go to break, I got to ask you both this. Um, what did you think of uh, the Vice Night? Did you did you like the field the way it was painted? Uh, the the Lamborghini out there, which the whole defense except for you posed next to after that pick. Give me your thoughts on just uh, what FIU did with the Miami Vice tribute. Hey, shout out to the the stadium designer man. I thought it was a neat deal. You know, I thought it was it had a great aesthetics. You know, shout out to the DJ as well. You know. He was out there doing his thing for sure, you know. He, was, he had his lip before the game. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was it was definitely a nice aesthetics just coming in, you know. Yeah. What you think? What you think, yeah, Kelly? The the vice night it was cool. It was unexpected. Uh, when we was driving on the bus, I seen the Lambo. I was like, whoa, they got a Lambo out here. And as soon you can ask one of the the little young receivers, I couldn't do it because I scored early. But my celebration was I was going to go to the Lambo and act like I was jugging it like on GTA. <laughs> but I couldn't do it because I, I scored too early. I didn't want to get up and then get a flag and Coach Dimmel to get, get on me. But, yeah. but yeah. I'm you just glad. Good yeah. thing you did it, Yeah, good, good, good. Because Coach Pete was mad, bro. <laughs> but at least the defense got to do it, so – the defense had a great pose, and by yeah. the way, that made Sports Center's Instagram after the game. Yeah, so they were all, they were all over that. So again, guys, it's the advantage of playing on Wednesday nights and getting a chance to be on ESPN too. You make a couple of big plays, a couple of big highlights. Next thing you know, you guys are uh, you guys are the talk of social media. Yes, so. sir. All right, listen, let's come back. We'll talk about NMSU. That's up next. Next Wednesday night, Battle of I-10. We've got Praise. We've got Kelly here. If you've got questions, send them to us, 505-6009. You can also get into the show on Twitter or X at 600 ESPN El Paso. More in a moment, 600 ESPN El Paso. Pedroza covering for us for the next 45 minutes before we get to Football Friday Night with Adrian and Paul this week. We've got uh, Praise here. We have Kelly Akari here as well from the UTEP football team. If you want to get into the show, 505-6009, our telephone number. It's 505-6009, UTEP getting ready for New Mexico State. 
That's going to be coming up next Wednesday at the Sun Bowl. Praise, you've been doing this rivalry ever since you got here. You tell me, what does uh, UTEP and, and New Mexico State mean to you when you talk about these two teams clashing? Um, I feel like it's one of those just those big rivalries like the, the, the Red River Showdown, the Texas-Oklahoma, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's, it's just beef, man. Like it's beef that needs to be cooked, you know, each and every year, and served to the each to the members of the community, you know. So I like that. That's a good example. Yeah. Um, do you do you get to know those guys a little bit during the summer when you're sticking around here, or do you really not hang out in the same spots and and, and know them that well? Nah, I mean not really. Like you know, I try to I, feel, I try to just you know do just hang out with my teammates for me. But I, I had a I had a teammate from high school on the. Mexico State team, you know, a couple of years ago, but he, he he left, so that was about it. But I never really, I don't really got no 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 mob ties over there, you know. Yeah, so don't don't associate much with New Mexico State, and and not really because uh, in the old days there were times when people used to go and party in the same spots, and then all of a sudden they'd see each other, and that rivalry would get a little more intense when they realized uh, who they were and and where they were at. Yeah. So no, uh, nobody really uh, going to the same. Uh, nobody going to the same spots like you guys here in El Paso. Is what no. you're telling me. No. All right, Kelly. Uh, I know for you this is what year two now at UTEP. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you remember really from last year's game and what how this rivalry what 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 it means to you. From last year's game, it, it's like a bloodbath because you just going at it for four quarters with the man in front of you, and that's what that's what I really remember. Like. Both teams won't give up till till the clock hits zero, and to me, it, it means a lot to me because I've seen how how it affects the the community firsthand. I've I've had people come up to me it was like that's like their their highlighted game on the calendar. So like to to be able to like do what we do as UTEP football players and make the UTEP community pe- uh, proud, that's that's really what that's what it comes down to. Is there more trash talking on the field for this game than some of the others? Do you find that they talk a lot of trash to you, and 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 do you guys return the favor? Praise you, just jumping at the microphone when I brought this trash talking <laughs> up. So you tell me, what's the uh, trash talking level for a New Mexico State game compared to some of the others? I mean, it's definitely going to be trash talking. Like you know, like, like you you come into the school like knowing like okay, like we have beef with those guys over there. You know, you don't even know. You feel me? So like you just. You just come into like just beef, you know. It's like like, like kind of gang related, like like you're bun into like a like a blood or a crazy. Like you just you just meant to hate the other guys, man. Like like we don't mess with those other guys. So it's just it's definitely gonna be chirping, you know. Especially like like we both want to win. You feel me? And like at the end of the day, we have, we we got to go home with the little trophy. So like we, we won a trophy. You feel me? So, and they won a trophy. So it's like. Yeah, bro, we won that trophy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, here's my, here's my question. Who talks trash to you? Offensive linemen, uh, receivers, running backs? I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, when you're blitzing a quarterback, trying to sack them every down, uh, who actually will talk trash to you? I mean, nobody. Yeah, for me, I never really get trash talk to, man. I just kind of just hear it around the field. I just kind of get just entertained and just, you know, so kind of like my – my entertainment, you know, like during like like during that storm, it's kind of like this, just like the little piece, and just like okay, that's pretty funny, you know. Do you ever talk trash back to other teams? Like, do you try to get into their heads mentally during games? Yeah, sometimes. You feel me? You just gotta just kind of just see, you know, like when the moment's right. You gotta pick the moment. You can't just go every time trash. Like, you feel me? You just kind of just something you just gotta feel for me. I just gotta feel it out. Okay, like like I could really throw this guy out if, if I say this. You just gotta just kind of get a feel for your opponent. You know, okay. 
Do you do you like to trash talk after sacking a quarterback? We get up, look in their face, say something to them, and then get back to the huddle, or do you not uh, play like that? Nah, I'm just for me. I'm trying to go back to the next play. I'm trying to for me. Got it. Yeah. So you're not like Lawrence Taylor. You ever seen the old LT videos where he's like sacking quarterbacks, and then as he's sacking him, he's talking to him? Yeah, I feel like I mean, yeah, like you definitely can have fun with it, like 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 he does. But you know, I just okay. feel me like it's, it's, it's like kind of like just a business, you know. I understand. You just show, you just do your job. You know, you clock in, you clock out. There you go, Kelly. What about you? A lot of a uh, lot of trash talking with you and DBs during the game. See, I think it's different when it comes to receivers and DBs because we just hate each other. And <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I got a friend that go to New Mexico State, and she tells me like what the people on the team are talking about. And there's a specific DB on that team. Little, little inside scoop. <laughs> little inside scoop. <laughs> there's a specific DB on the team talking about he coming for me. So Oh, really? Yeah. So so there's already a little – so you already know what's going on before the game even before starts. Before the game even started. And so y'all getting the, y'all nice. getting the early access. But, uh, I try, like that. Try, y'all pull up with y'all popcorn, <laughs> man. Sounds like that's going to be a good one. Was that DB on the team last year? Uh Oh nah, nah, it, it don't matter, man. Nah, pull up with your drinks. We're gonna have we go have we gonna have a show. Have Sounds like lights, camera, action. Yeah. Uh, come Wednesday night uh, when the miners do battle with NMSU. I pull love up. it. See, I, I like I like trash talking, but I gotta I gotta be like, I know on a on a level for me to start talking for real. So all right, well, listen, we'll come back. We'll talk more about it. Stay with us, folks. Kelly Akari, Praise Amehule with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Bottom of the hour, along with uh, Paul McKinnon for Football Friday Night. Big night of uh, high school football action as we continue right now with Praise Amehule, Kelly Akari. Members of the UTEP Miners getting ready for the Battle of I-10, which will be next Wednesday against New Mexico State. We've already learned that Praise just plays football. He doesn't worry about all the distractions. We found out that uh, Kelly's got a girl who uh, goes to New Mexico State (laughs) and has already informed him. Kelly does not have a girl. Listen, it's a friend. It's a friend of yours. A friend. Listen, if I say you've got a girl on the radio, that means that uh, you're you're with somebody. I'm just saying you've got an acquaintance. How's yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An acquaintance. Yeah. All right. She goes to New Mexico State, and she has already given you some intel that there is a DB ready to take your head off next Wednesday. Yes, I got a target on my back right now. Uh, I mean, but is that, I mean, for you and the way you play your game and the way you go about things, it kind of amps you up a little bit more for the for the rivalry, doesn't it? Knowing that in advance, don't you almost feel like, all right, bring it. Is yeah. that kind of your reaction? Yeah, like I accept, I wholeheartedly accept the challenge, and I want you to be at your best so I can dominate you at your best. There you go. And by the way, you've been playing the number one receiving role for pretty much most of the season. What's that? What's that been like for you, knowing you've had to kind of shoulder the load for the minors uh, on in the receiving core, especially last few weeks uh, with Tyron Smith out. Um, to be honest, it's nothing too major. I just feel like I just come there and do what I can do to help my my team win. And I have a great receiving core around me, so they help me like when it comes to like making plays. Jeremiah Ballard, he's down there making plays, doing what he do. Marcus Belon, he's making plays. JC, before he got hurt, he's making plays. Amari White, he comes in when he can make plays. Like I'm, I'm blessed to be put around great people and great athletes so where like my job don't even look that hard so I could just do my do my part. 
Do you feel good about this wide receiving room, especially from top to bottom? Oh, 100%. And all the little young kids that y'all don't see, like, <laughs> they so funny. They they confident. They probably got more confidence than me. And they just come in there, and when, when they get their chance to shine, they going to make plays too. Good. So that's that. That I think minor fans would like to hear that. That this is a uh, you know you might see the same few guys catching footballs every game, but this is a pretty deep group of players and definitely some some future stars uh, wearing the uh, orange and the blue. Oh yes, for sure, for sure. Um, you, y'all gonna get. I don't want to put their names out there. Y'all gonna get get a little taste of them very soon once they start getting in the games and stuff like that. Now, uh, I want to get back to the quarterback position for a second because uh, Gavin got hurt uh, a few weeks back, and then all of a sudden, here comes Kevin Hurley and uh, Jake McNamara, and they both go down the same game. And then all, and then here's uh, you know Cade McConnell, and we've already seen Cade in the last series uh, of the last uh, home game against La Tech, and then the game against FIU. And some people were saying to themselves, "Wow." How is Cade the, the fourth-string quarterback? And then you realize that, hey, you know what? Behind Gavin, there's actually some pretty good talent with the youngsters. And you start to think about McNamara and what he was able to do before the injury. Hurley, what he did coming in, throwing that bomb to you uh, against FIU. And now Cade, pretty good depth at the quarterback position, isn't there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I'm very confident in whoever's back there. If it's Gavin, Cade, all of them. Like I'm confident with anybody back there. I ain't got nothing to worry about. I know they know they playbook because they always up there studying. I know they gonna feed their receivers, feed their running back, and just execute the play the playbook to the best of their ability. So when when people go down, that's sad, and and I I don't want to see that for none of my teammates. But next man up, I'm not even worried. You know what else I really like is they all have different skill sets. If you look at each of these quarterbacks we're talking about, they're all different, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You got Gavin with the rocket arm, and then you got Kevin with the big body, and then you got Kay with his little wits and the way he dissects the, the defense, and then you got Jake just running around to everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, they all they all bring different different um, assets to, to the to the game and to the to the team, and I, I just love it. How about the running game? You know, when you're not throwing the ball and you're running the ball, same kind of thing. You've got Deion Hankins trying to run through people. Mike Franklin, similar style. Then Torrance Burgess kind of has the opportunity to just um, run around people. Different, completely different uh, running style from the other two backs. And uh, and, and we've got more. It, it's not just those three. It, it, that's a pretty deep group as well. Yeah, the running backs. See, uh, TB, me and TB went to Juco together. So I kind of already knew what TB was, was uh, capable before he even got his opportunity here. Um, so, like, seeing TB play at uh, junior college was was electric. And when when he got in, he went off. I think there was a game where he had, like, 300 yards, um, all-purpose yards, receiving and rushing one of our JUCO games. So I already knew what TB was going to do. And Dion. Oh <laughs> That dude is a tank. <laughs> he is a tank. And, and and I feel for Dion because I think part of the reason he has gotten so banged up over the years is that style of running. I mean, you he, he tries to just run over you and run through you. And as strong as he is physically and, whatever, and, and as much as he does in the weight room, it's almost like he needs that to just prepare his body for the physical pounding that he'll take on a game-by-game basis. True, but I feel like... 
to be honest, from my perspective, I don't think the defense is like tackling Dion really. They don't. They, <laughs> so they try to do as little as possible to get him down, and that's why he just bounce off, bounce off of people. And as far as the injury um, part, injury is part of the game. He just got to get back right, get in the training room, rehab, and, you know, just just get back, get back on his toes and everybody's going to be good. Is he the strongest man you've ever seen in terms of just what he does in the weight room? Probably him or Awat, because I've seen Awat do some outlandish stuff one time in the weight room where he just he got mad and he threw the what he do he threw the the squat he was squatting and he got mad and he just threw it off his back instead of like racking it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the yeah, that was pretty crazy, man. It sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> hey, uh, how's praise in the weight room? Oh, he's a dog, <laughs> like. So my so we we're we're like set in like different like weight classes and my weight classes is like two down from praises and it's just like they over there lifting like trucks and boaters and stuff like that. I'm just like coach shot, don't put me over there with them. I don't want I don't want to lift that much weight. So it's basically like what you're saying is praise could be like in the uh, st- like the world strongman competition. <laughs> Probably like if that. he really trained for it and tried, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you enjoy uh, weight training praise? Is that something that uh, is? I mean, for you, do you, do you enjoy doing that? Yeah, it's cool for me. Just like just to see like <laughs> just to see the <laughs> result that it that it brings. You know, it's like you like you get in the work you put, like you get in what you put in. You feel me? Like if you if you're able to train to that to that level where you're lifting those kind of weights, you're like okay, like. Who's the strongest? Who's the strongest human being on this football team right now? If you had to pick one guy, who's the strongest person on this team? Um, probably like one of the, I think Andrew, Andrew or Eli, Eli, the offensive lineman. Yeah, Eli, like Elijah Klein. Yeah. Are you the strongest uh, defensive lineman on this team? Mm, I'll probably say I'm like number, like top five. Wait, there's a lot of strong D linemen like Sione, Keenan, Jalen. Logo. It's like, I'm probably like top top five, you okay. know. But yeah, there's a lot of dudes that are stronger than me, man. Well, but the point is this: when you uh, when when you're trying to rush the quarterback, it's not really about physical strength, is it? You're also yeah. needing speed, technique, yeah. going around uh, your the uh, offensive lineman, just trying to get to the quarterback that way. Yeah, man. It's it's you basically playing chess out there, bro. You feel me? Yeah. Like chess, you got different opening moves, different type of move you could, you could hit your guy with. So you just basically just yeah, man. It's, do you what do you enjoy the most? I mean, sacking quarterbacks. You had a pick this year. Do you like the interceptions the most? What do you? What for you? What's the what's what is the most? Besides winning, what is the most enjoyable part of playing the game of football? Just doing out, just doing it with the guys, man. Like that you do it with every day. You feel me? And just being able to do it in front of people, you know, and get cheered on for doing it. You feel me? Like because we do this every day, and we get yelled at by coaches. You know, like hey, like. Yeah, and then we finally like we finally get to just go do it, and we're like you know we're alive, and like this counts for all the marbles. So just just being able to go out there and just make plays with your brothers, man. There's no better feeling, you know, because you're gonna get to talk about it, you know, after after you're done, like 20 years down the line, you know. Is sacking a quarterback still your favorite thing to do on the football field? Yeah, yeah. He sack- owned on that pick. <laughs> yeah, but like just like being able to get a pick now, like I I know what I I could do. You feel me? Like I know like. My ability, you know, of my arms and like just being able to tip those balls to myself and grab it. So like, just unlocking that part and just having that. I mean, I've always had that knowledge, but just being able to unlock it, like track the ball better and just you know, and just read the eyes of the quarterback. You know, I'm excited to see just down the line. 
because I almost, I almost grabbed one last game because the QB tried to, he tried to play me, you know, tried to throw one right over my head, and I almost tipped it to myself again. And I would have scored actually this time, so I'm just you're, you're gonna be ready for that. <laughs> I mean, it's exciting <laughs> to just see, you know, the level of okay, like what I could do, you know. I'm just unlocking, you know, just. How many uh, career interceptions do you have? Uh, I think that was my first one. I should have had okay. two, but like I know this, this just opened. This just opened the, like a like a whole another domain, like a whole another file, you know. New dimension to your game. You feel me? Like I it, do. it's exciting because I know like how, how young, you know, like and I just, you know, just what the future holds, you know. So I'm just excited to just see, you know. This new stuff, you know, being able to just go Super Saiyan one, Super Saiyan two, like Goku, you know, like. Did like you uh, life. Did, did you get the game ball from that interception? Did they let you keep that one? Nah, but I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they're gonna find find the ball. I'm sure the guys at FIU are gonna be pretty pretty cool, you know, to send the ball over, you know. Yeah, for the uh, from the from the you're talking about the, yeah. the sack ball. Yeah, hopefully, okay. you know, I'm sure they're gonna be. I'm sure they're gonna be cool, you know. All right, I hope I hope they're cool for you. I I, I really do. Um, let's get back real quick before we wrap things up. Uh, again, New Mexico State, Wednesday night, Sun Bowl, 100th battle of I-10. We This team is coming in. They, they've won a couple games in a row. They're 4-3 and three on the season. They want to get the best of you. You have the opportunity to get your whole season right back on track after the win over FIU. You win. You're on a two-game win streak in the conference, and suddenly the season looks a lot different. Um, you know, from a fan perspective, you both have seen the Sun Bowl this year. Two games with 30,000 fans each, the first two games of the season. Last game, 9,000 fans. How much of a difference does the crowd make for you both when you're out there playing uh, here on your home field? Personally, um, the crowd, it, the more people I see, like the more I feel like I got to like turn up and get excited and give them the, their money's worth and like put on a show. So like when you get when you get the crowd in there, you get the crowd on on third down when defense on the on the field. You get them hyped, trying to trying to get them to like fall start or something, and it's just crazy because you just hear the sound and it's like unbelievable, and like just get having them there just to support us. It just means a lot. Okay, praise. Like he said, man, like just that third down, just that energy, just the electrifying sombo. If it's a whole. It's a whole momentum changer, you know, like that's the advantage we get to get, you know, we get for playing at home, you know, just having that edge, you know, having that noise, you know, that energy, you know, that momentum, you know, with our fans, that's like a whole other dimension of the game, you know, that could throw the opponent off. So just having that having that in the stadium is definitely a great deal for us. So the message to everybody listening for Wednesday night is... Oh yeah, y'all gotta pull up, man. Like I said, I mean, I don't think they know they're gonna be on national television, but this you gotta think, let them think, know now. Yeah, I think someone said this is the the first rivalry game that's gonna be on national television. So y'all y'all make up your signs, you know, draw your little banners, do your little paintings, man. Pre game, put on put on for a, put me? on like, for El Paso. You gonna, gonna be on TV, man? Like. What do you want to wait? You want to see fans bring in signs like wrestling? You want them to come <laughs> like, in like, like Monday Night Raw and show up with, that, with like, uh, signs? I mean, like that's what they would do when they go to those type of events. Like, it's, meant to, like, it's, it's meant to be entertainment, you know. So like that's you right. need to come out there and just you know be entertained. We're trying to put on a show for y'all, so y'all come out there. You know, like you know, let's just go out there and turn the city up. I mean, like I said, bring bring y'all little signs. You know, go to Hobby Lobby. You know, grab the poster boards. You know, do do the little signs, do the little cut out cut out paper faces of you know just both teams. You know, of your favorite players. You know, like so. If somebody's gonna bring a sign of you, uh, twenty three, and they have praise. What's your nickname? Uh whatever, whatever you want it to be, man. Like, <laughs> what just, is like your, I said, what just, is your nickname? What do the people call you on the team? 
Uh, they just call me Praise, man. I think my name pretty unique enough, you know. But like, it is. one of my one of my favorite guys, Hot Rod, he calls me, you know, the pass rush assassin of the Nigerian nightmare. So <laughs> I just throw those two out there, you know. I like that. For any any young fan, any young inspired fan listening, man, you well, know. Christian uh, Okoye was the original <laughs> yeah, Nigerian, Nigerian assassin. Nightmare. Yeah, That's shout, right. out, shout can, out to the Kansas pass, City Chiefs, man. For me, yeah. <laughs> I like the pass rushing assassin. That's pretty good too. Yes, that's, you know, that's PA, excellent. you know, that's my initial praise and medley. Fantastic. So like I said, just like y'all, just come out there, man. For me, I feel like it's gonna be electric. You know, you're gonna be on national television. You know. Yeah, can we tell the PA announcer at UTEP to just start calling you a Mehule and not Amahule, please? I mean, it's been four years. It's time. <laughs> you think it's time for the PA announcer at UTEP to just start pronouncing your name correctly? You, you would think, man. Yes. As long as the name good and the check, man, that's that's all that's all that's that's right. we care about. Uh, Kelly, what's your nickname? Uh, you, you have one? <laughs> Can we repeat it on the I radio? Call, I, I mean, I yeah. call him. I call him Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Too nice. You, you, have to, you have to understand, you know, where we're from. You know, me and Kelly, we're both Nigerian, so we got that. For me, it's just something that we got. You know, we got a bond. You know, I was yeah. not, so like that's just something that means a lot to us. You know, so yeah, that's that's what I call him, bro. You know. Guys, so for all you Nigerians out there, man, all my all guys out there, you know, we got we got the Oga OG, Oga too nice, you know, Kodak, you know, codename K in the building, yeah. man. Yes, sir. <laughs> Gentlemen, we'll see you both on Wednesday night at the Sun Bowl. Thanks for joining us, and again, congrats on the win over FIU. Thank yes, you sir, man. Y'all pull up to the game, man. Big rivalry, hundred hundredth anniversary, man. We're making history out here, bro. Pack the stadium. Shout out New Mexico State, man. Shout out, shout out I10 for letting us being able to use those roads, to, you know, travel, you know. Shout out to all my UTEP miners out there, man. Shout out Code Name K. Shout out Coach Demo, man. Shout out Praise, <laughs> the man himself. Good job on the uh, shout outs as we wrap Sir. things up here with the uh, Praise uh, as well as Kelly. Guys, we'll see you Wednesday night. Thanks again. Yeah. Come back and we'll have uh, Adrian and Paul as we get ready for football Friday night. Uh, they'll join us next here. Sports Talk continues 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, back in the mix, back in playoff contention. Not saying they were out of it by any means, but they needed this victory in the biggest way possible. Yeah, you called it perfectly. Shea Miller, uh, as talented a quarterback as there is in the city, best arm, and, and he showed today he could run. 21 carries, 200 yards, and as you said, uh, the three touchdowns. This thing was uh, close to start with Eastlake when they got the ball. Six-minute drive to open this thing down the field, uh, punched it in, but uh, frankly came right back. Shea Smith with the 29-yard uh, run, left side, and that's pretty much uh, all she wrote. He came back with a 39-yard uh, 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 little keep around the left side, and, and Franklin never looked back. Boy, this is a win they both they needed. Both these teams coming into this contest with two losses. Remember, America's went 5-3 and three a year ago and still got knocked out of the, pl- uh, the playoffs by a tiebreaker. Guys, when you look at what happened last night, can you T.O. bearing Andrus? Chapin had the same success over Burgess. El Paso High hanging 41 on Jeff. And then some of the other games, America's shutting out El Dorado and, and, and Bowie beating up on Irvin. Any surprises to you from last night's action? And really, uh, we had no close games. We had five games, and they were all blowouts. You know, Steve, I, I felt like last night is going to really set up next week. And, you know, among the 1-5A Division two slate, it was really Canyotillo, Chapin, who stole the headlines. And those two will meet up next week. I mean, we're already looking ahead to a big Week 9 matchup between those two, which is probably going to be the eventual district matchup, uh, district title matchup right. right there. And with Canyotillo, they returned one of their standout players. Eddie Carrillo was back in the mix for them. That's a 
huge boost for them going into a significant matchup against Chapin next week, Paul. Yeah, great call on Carrillo, the, the kid who started as a freshman at cornerback cornerback, and had five interceptions. And they were working him into the offense last year. I think we would have seen him a lot more on the offensive side of the ball where Candy Teal always needs some extra bodies. Cap, you asked, asked about surprises. The one thing surprised me, I went to see uh, uh, Chapin, and uh, expecting them to bury Burgess. Burgess stuck around for a while, which was a bit of a surprise. Chapin, of course, dripping in talent. Uh, a couple of guys didn't show up. No Savion Jordan. But, boy, that uh, Singleton kid, a magic little hitch, uh, little hitch pass that he took 42 yards, went through three of uh, those Burgess Mustangs defenders and then down the sidelines. He's mercurial, uh, mercurial another uh, late touchdown in that one. But Burgess hung around for a while. And I look at the bottom half. Uh, Adrian talked about the top half of that district. I looked at the bottom. You have, uh, well, Jefferson went down again last night. But you have Andrus that had a big comeback win over El Paso. They're all a bunch of sophomores. And then you have the Burgess Mustangs, who still have not won a game along with Jefferson. But in the final three weeks of those three teams, a couple of throw El Paso high in there. A big win uh, last night. Uh, they handled Jefferson pretty easily. But among those four teams, two of them are still going to find a way to make it in the playoffs. It could be Burgess or Jefferson, who haven't even won a game to this point of the season. Uh, again, uh, I'm interested to see how that will play itself out, as well as all the matchups uh, coming up here tonight. Um, you know, looking at the game of the week, the game that uh, really is the reason why you guys are both out there, Pebble Hills and Montwood, I saw the website. Adrian, we've got a 56-55 prediction. That's 111 <laughs> points that would be combined in that one. I, I just feel like that's what you get when you see both these teams in 6A play. It's offensive explosiveness on both sides. I mean, you look on one side with Pebble Hills. They are led by uh, the UTEP commit quarterback, Gael Ochoa. He has 1,348 passing yards and 16 total touchdowns, both through the air and on the ground. But I, what I've loved what Pebble Hills has, uh, has done this year compared to last or, or year, in years past is really run the football efficiently. Uh, Zarian Quarles is really really impressive on the ground for the Pebble Hills Spartans, and he's going to be a key player in this one for them. Uh, on the flip side with Montwood, they've found something in their quarterback, Michael Southern. I, I just feel like he's really got, given this team a lot of energy. Uh, Zay to told me you know, he's really impressed with Diego Oaxaca. You talk about all the other skill position players they have, Caleb Alvarez, Gio Varela. They also have Isaiah Claudio in the backfield. Just an impressive group all around and have really rallied around first-year head coach Ivan Rangel. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this Montwood squad as well. And Cap, in Adrian's defense this game last year was 38-35. Caleb Alvarez caught a 63-yard touchdown pass with about four minutes left, and I remember telling Bo Bagley at the time, way too much time. And Pebble Hills does what they've done over the last uh, three seasons at least, and that's drive the field. Uh, Ochoa, eight-yard touchdown run with 19 seconds left on the clock. They claimed the 38-35 win. Uh, Adrian talked about Michael Southern. I saw these guys last week against Eastlake. He is dropping dimes. This is the best he's ever played in his life. Paul, let's be honest. How happy are you just getting out of the studios tonight? <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you're in with us, and I, and I love when you're here with Bo in our River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. But having a chance to get out at the sack to do this show, for you, uh, it's almost like it's a special treat, isn't it? Yeah, getting out, and you know, even back to the old Mark Miller days, he was always begging, 
begging, begging, begging to find a way to get out of the studio. I get my football, my high school football fix on the Thursday nights. So I've got the Thursdays mostly free. Yep. And if there's a game, I'm going to go give it a look. And uh, that's how I get to see some of these teams. I don't like talking about teams that I haven't seen uh, in person, not on film, but physically been in the stadium and, and seen them play. Adrian, what kind of pregame food do they have for you and Paul tonight? You know what? Uh, I'm just, um, you know, I'm on saliva and coffee, Steve. That's what I'm on right now. So, and no no need for any pizzas. I, I, I smell it. That might be in the ba- background. Zay, I, I'll ask Zay. Zay's usually our, our food aficionado. Do they, what do they have here at yeah, the sack? Yeah, they had some good chicken sandwiches. They were really good. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry to tell you that, Adrian, but they're amazing. Like they're when you say chicken that. sandwiches, kind of like a uh, fried chicken sandwich, is that what they've got? Yeah, basically. All right, good, man. I thought it was healthier. I I threw barbecue sauce on mine, so what do I know? There you go. Also, Paul, you ate one is what you're telling me. One's down, and it's two two games, so it should be two uh, suppers as well. Is that what they do? Uh, Do they actually have two different media spreads for the uh, the doubleheader? Yeah, it's hard to remember what uh, who's hosting this game. I'm not even sure, but it, depending on uh, on which team it is, that's what that's what you get at uh, at halftime. Somebody's Rudy's barbecue. I think it's El Dorado. They played last night. Paul, what's the best Thursday night spread you've had all year? Wow, uh, you know the only place they play on Thursdays is at uh, Socorro. So I'm going to say I told you I'm guessing El Dorado. That Rudy, Rudy's barbecue I just threw out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I oh, think it's yeah. Dorado, but I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, by the way, last night was crazy. We had more Thursday night games. It's a very light night tonight for high school football. Yeah, a lot of people right now, and in, in you know year-round school, Steve, intercession period, a lot uh, around town for a lot of different school districts. So that might be one of the reasons. And you know, there's a bye weeks for everybody else, especially in five A. So yeah, Cap, I'm guessing it's an eligibility thing. I called, I called the EPISD assistant AD uh, Neil Rutledge for the season and, and asked him, what are you guys afraid of games on Friday the 13th? Why are you playing all these Thursday games? <laughs> ah. El Paso Independent is the one that they moved all the games to Thursday. And he told me something about, you know, Candy Tio has been doing this and we thought we tried it. What I think it really is, is during intercession, everyone who is ineligible becomes eligible. Everybody on your team is eligible regardless of the grades. I believe this is right. This is what I've been told. Up until Friday at 4 p.m., that's when intercession comes to an end. That's why our buddy Isaiah is so sad over here. His two-week vacation is officially over. But intercession, once 4 o'clock comes, whoever was ineligible becomes ineligible again. So maybe you want to try and get those Thursday games in before Thursday turns into a pumpkin on Friday and and some of your uh, uh, boys don't get to play. Steve, all I heard there was Friday the 13th. That's the reason why. (laughs) That's all I heard, too. That's all. That was my biggest takeaway as well. That's it. That is it. Um, Our 915 Tours Game of the Week, though, gives us Paul McKinnon and uh, Adrian Broad. It's Adrian filling in for Bo Bagley. We also have Angel. We've got Danny. We've got the whole crew out here in our 600 ESPN, El Paso, River Oaks Properties, Schoolyard Sports Studios. Gentlemen, have a great show tonight. We'll do our 30-minute bonus pregame now, and then we'll have uh, the official start at 7 o'clock, but let's send it over to the sack and uh, let Adrian and Paul take it from here. Thank you, Steve. And uh, like you said, we are here. It is the pregame show right now and want to give a big shout out to the El Paso Association of Builders. The Football Friday Night pregame show is brought to you by Real Texas Builders. Ask your home builder if they are members of the El Paso Association of Builders, the homes of Real Texas Builders. Check them out online, ElPasoBuilders.com. We are live here for our 915 Tours Game of the Week. It is between the Montwood Rams and they are taking on the Pebble Hill 
Battle Spartans. This one should kick off in about uh, an hour from now, and we will get all the action uh, here um, with uh, Paul McKinnon along with Zay Galindo. I want to uh, turn attention to who we have also across the city of El Paso. You'll hear live reports from the likes of Jeremy Caranco, who is out at Eastwood Socorro. J.D. Sursley will give us the coverage of Riverside San Eli. We'll also have Joe Rod out at Clint Mountain View. Should be an excellent game. Right. And uh, Paul, uh, even though it's a light slate tonight, this Montwood Pebble Hills game could not be bigger in this matchup. Yeah, huge. We're talking about the uh, one of the teams coming in, uh, maybe the co-favorites in the city, uh, Pebble Hills, co-champs along with Eastwood in 2022, and bringing back so many of those guys, your quarterback, Guy Olachoa, four-year starter, and I mean, they're just dripping it, folks. Uh, Zarian Quarles, he's only a junior, but he was supposed to be their starter last year as a sophomore before he got injured, uh, got back in in the back half of the season, but uh, you, you expected more from them, and they've had a couple of uh, difficult losses. One, of course, to uh, the co-champs from a year ago, Eastwood, 49-42 in a shootout, but then the one a couple of weeks ago from Americas was just crushing, and the way they lost it, I think, uh, even more crushing. I'm sure we'll get into that as the night goes on. Most definitely. And, you know, it's so interesting because when we look at 6A as a whole, the playoff races now, I mean, there's three games after this week left in the season, and all these teams have to start to stack up the, uh, you know, their wins and losses for the playoffs. I mean, you can only really count out three teams uh, mathematically out so far. Coronado, uh, El Dorado, and of course, Socorro, uh, you know, kind of toward the bottom of District 16A, but everybody else mathematically still, uh, you know, somehow of alive here as playoff contention continues. But that's six teams vying for four spots there, Paul. Uh, right, and you could even make a case for Coronado. They're sitting at one and four, went out and finished four and four. You know, stranger things have happened. Well, they wouldn't, wouldn't bet on it. And that's why the, why the game previous to this one uh, was so big. Franklin and Eastlake. Eastlake, which got off to, I think they were 4-0 before they got hit with their first loss. Now they've lost three out of their last four uh, contests. Franklin so banged up uh, throughout the season. I think they're on their fifth receiver. Uh, who was it? Uh, Aiden Harris, who had a, b- a big game that we just looked at, had the, the uh, late touchdown on the slant at the end. But he's playing his second game, and he's already their uh, top receiver. They're on their the Tel Delatory kid, a sophomore. He's their number four running back. So they've been besieged by injuries but still have a chance. They still only have two losses on the season. That gets you into the playoffs. Uh, but uh, now Eastlake is, has fallen to three losses That'll get you there as well, but only if Eastlake plans to uh, win out the rest of the way, and that's not their way they're uh, currently playing. And you look at other teams, Americas, and you also look at a team like Eastwood right now. The Troopers unbeaten right now in district play, 4-0. They're atop the district along with Montwood. You know, the Troopers so far uh, have been, have looked really impressive, but... I'm not not to look ahead and not to make any sort of predictions here, Paul. If Montwood, and that's a big if, they were to win this week against Pebble Hills, it sets up a district showdown against Eastwood coming up next week. Thur- Thursday night. How how big uh, would that be for Montwood, a team that only went two and eight last year? Uh, you heard they did play some people tough. They beat uh, Franklin by a point in a shootout, and we already talked about the narrow loss uh, last week, last year, excuse me, to Pebble Hills, 38-35. So they were a good team, explosive team. I've been saying it for two years. They have the best receiving core in the city. The quarterback was Galvan last year. 
This year, it's Michael Southern. Got off to a slow start, but as I said, I saw him last week uh, against Eastlake. He's dropping dimes, throwing the ball into coverage, squeezing it into tight windows. If Pebble Hills does not put some form of pass rush in his face tonight, and I mean, they need to touch him because he's six foot tall. He can throw over people close to him. Uh, they're going to have a long night defensively. Zay, I'm going to bring you in on this one. You've seen Montwood here this season, uh, the, and you've liked uh, the explosiveness that their offense brings to the table. What is impressed you by this team who are guys that stand out to you in as far as kind of their their weapons yeah it's definitely the running back number 22 Isaiah Claudio I mean when you have such a good receiving core like um like we just mentioned it it brings he brings a different asset to your offense the teams really aren't expecting it really sets up the play action game he's really explosive and he's another threat out of the backfield to catch the ball so he's someone I'll be looking out for tonight that's a great name right there and somebody who's also been so relevant in El Paso high school football over the past couple seasons uh let's turn our focus over to another team out of 6A and that is America's that's a that's a squad that definitely can't get overlooked Paul and that's a team who I'm gonna see you know can they get that one of the playoff spots as uh, you know there's not a lot uh, uh, left out there if the trailblazers right now are a squad who can maybe vie for a playoff squad uh, spot when it's all said and done yeah uh, i think 38 to nothing last night uh, they handled el dorado it looks like we can officially uh, call el dorado out held ryan estrada 10 carries to i think 37 yards wow we all know estrada's explosive even though he hasn't, hasn't played a lot this season america's defense is a good one uh, just like this montwood defense they're playing above uh, what they played uh, a year ago, good tackler. That's what I always look for, good tacklers. And then are your corners pretty good? Well, yeah, Anthony Miranda is out there for America's. So they're tough, and they're showing it. They had the tough loss uh, uh, against Eastwood, uh, that, but only, only by a score. And, you know, they had their chances and just uh, couldn't get it done. Actually shut out Eastwood in the second half last week. That's a, a strange trend if you're Eastwood. They got shut out in the fourth quarter a couple of weeks ago by Coronado. They got shut out in the second half last week by Americas, hmm. as I said, for, for an offense as, as explosive. And, you know, to Eastwood's credit, they're getting the job done in the first half in the Coronado game. Uh, in the third quarter, they got the job done. But we're not used to seeing them be uh, shut out for any length of time. The Americas Trailblazers did it for two quarters. Uh, to look ahead to one more game next week, it is Pebble Hill. Hills taking on Franklin. That's also a really big matchup, regardless of who wins this matchup here tonight. Knowing that the Cougars took the first game here out, out at the SISD Student Activities Complex, knowing that Franklin has that victory over Eastlake, regardless of the outcome tonight, Pebble Hills Franklin going to be a huge one next Friday. Yeah, and uh, Franklin coming off uh, you know, a, a big win. This was a huge win for them uh, in the scheme of things. They've been floundering, as I said, the Aiden Miller kid who had the late, late touchdown. He's a nice addition. If they have him the rest of the season, I mean, as I said, they're dying for receivers uh, from Pat Powers to Gerald Williams to Elias Rongel, who had a good first month uh, before he bruised his uh, uh, spinal cord, I guess. So many guys who've been out, but if they have that kid, they have to feel a little bit buoyed. And if Pebble Hills finds a way to drop this game, they'll be coming in maybe on a down cycle. That could be good news for Franklin, by the way, as long as we uh, should advertise a little bit. The winner of the, the first game, the Franklin Cougar, their head coach, Darren Walker. Uh, we're going to have him on uh, shortly, either here in this first hour or right at the beginning of uh, football Friday night after 7. Hey, uh, speaking of advertisers, uh, let's go to one of our favorite advertisers here on football 
Friday night. It is Ignitify. Finding a trustworthy person to work on your AC might be difficult. Well, Ignitify is here to help. They've got over 20 years of experience here in El Paso. Check them out on Google. They've got a five-star rating. Don't take it from just us. Just call them today. Set up an appointment. They make it easy. It's Ignitify. They're known for their maintenance and repairs to your cooling system. Visit them online, ignitifyep.com, to get started today. That's ignitifyep.com to get started today. Hey, we're just getting started out here. Football Friday night, the bonus pregame coverage. We will hear from Franklin Cougars head coach Darren Walker coming up next. But let's first take a time out. You're listening to Football Friday Night live at the SISD Student Activities Complex right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. 